for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 111, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Les and Leslie Parrott are my guests today, and I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Les and Leslie. They're a husband and wife team who not only share the same name, but the same passion for helping others build healthy relationships. Les is a professor of psychology at Northwest University, and they are founders of the Center for Healthy Relationships on the campus of Olivet University. The parents were married in 1984 and bring real-life examples to their speaking platform. Their professional training, Leslie is a marriage and family therapist, and Les is a clinical psychologist, and she has a presentation that's grounded, insightful, and cutting edge. Each year, Les and Leslie speak in over 40 cities. Their audiences include a wide array of venues from churches to Fortune 500 company boardrooms. They've been featured in USA Today, the New York Times, and their television appearances include CNN, The View, The O'Reilly Factor, Today Show, and Oprah. As number one New York Times bestselling authors, their books have sold over two million copies in more than two dozen languages and include bestselling and gold medallion winner, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. Other popular titles are Real Relationships, L-O-V-E, Love Talk, and their latest book, Healthy Me, Healthy Us, which is the subject of our conversation today. And as always, I'll share my points to ponder so you can start using them right away. And remember, don't just download the episodes, click subscribe. Because when you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will show up in your subscribe list. I'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes and let me know what you think of the podcast. We're not only on iTunes, but the PGK podcast is available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So don't miss a single episode. Parents, I'm really excited to tell you today that I have a new free webinar on how to discipline your kids without yelling or blowing your top. I discuss what healthy discipline really is, four myths Every parent believes that interferes with discipline and how your parenting preload influences your parenting. I believe it's going to be a game changer for you. So head on over to my website, meekerparenting.com and sign up. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 111. Stay with us. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Les and Leslie Parrott. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Lesson Leslie Parrott, thanks so much for joining me today. Great to be with you, Meg. It's always fun to see you. It is fun. It's fun. And it's fun to finally meet uh, Leslie after all these years. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do it? How do you, how do you stay married? I like we're old friends. And how do I do it? This guy keeps life interesting. I bet he does. We've heard stories about you, too. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
really are true. I make my living telling stories about her and me and our marriage. <laughs> on yeah, I'm a, yeah, same way, same way with Walt. Well, you guys have a wonderful book out, Healthy Me, Healthy Marriage. And well, you it's actually healthy me, healthy us. Well, healthy me, healthy us. And it's okay. not just a marriage book. This is for any and every relationship, friendships, colleagues at work, even total strangers. And the whole premise, Meg, is that your relationships, whether it's marriage or any other relationship, your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. And that's what the book is dedicated to helping you do, get healthy. A little bit scary, isn't it? Because because it's it's hard to find anybody who doesn't have some some big issues, you know. We all go into marriage and parenting. I tell parents with a preload, you know, we come in with our own experiences, our issues, our pains that have a dramatic effect on the marriage. What are the most common issues that you see that people come into their marriage with that had a re- that have a really painful effect on the marriage? Well, you know, I love your admission, your authenticity, that nobody feels like, yeah, I've got a lock on personal health, and I'm whole. I've completed that experience. Yeah, nobody I'm- wakes up in the morning and go, hey, I think this is the day. I'm completely <laughs> emotionally stable, healthy, and whole. <laughs> that's so, right. Uh, yeah. This is a lifelong process. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what this is all about. Uh, it's a map to help someone on that process. The reason this matters so much is because – When I want to give a gift to a relationship, the most important thing I can do is get healthy myself. The best thing I have to offer is being healthy in the context of my relationship. And that's what this is all about. And we're talking about, of course, emotional health. We're talking about psychological, emotional, spiritual well-being. And uh, in fact, I'll tell you this, Meg, I think you'll appreciate this. Leslie and I started a course on a um, university campus how many years ago was that? 20 years ago at least. And um, we called it Relationships 101. And if you know anything about courses on academic campuses, you know you don't just dream up a class and start teaching. Mm-hmm. You to go through a rigorous process and so forth. And anyway, we did that. And uh, we had this course, and it was on Monday nights at 6, 6 p.m. Not, not prime time on an undergraduate campus, but it was the only time we could get on the schedule. And uh, there was 12 chairs in the room. And it was a pass-fail course because, you know, it's relationships, right? Who, uh, nobody thought we should have that be an academic standard. And so, anyway, after two hours of registration, the registrar called my office and said, hey, doc, we're going to have to move your classroom. I said, why? You need the space for something else at that hour of the evening? And he said, no. He said, we just realized you didn't cap the course. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you didn't limit the number of students that could take the course. And I said, okay, so how many students have signed up? He said, 250 so far, and we have three days of registration to go. Wow. And doesn't that speak volumes to the hunger and thirst we have for information, competent, good information on healthy relationships? Mm -hmm. And and we tell, I tell you this because on the very first night of this course, on the very first, like within 15 minutes of every time we've taught that, we taught the course for 20 years. And uh, on Monday nights, by the way, always at 6 p.m., always a waiting list, filled the auditorium. And uh, we always told these students that uh, it didn't matter to us whether they took any notes or, you know, there was no midterm, there was no final, there's no pop quiz, it's a pass-fail course. They're going to get out of the experience, whatever they want to. But we tell them on the very first night, uh, all that matters to us is that they write down at least one single sentence. And we build this thing up and we talk about how it can revolutionize your relationships. And then they get ready, they're primed with their keypads or their pens, and they get ready to write it down. And here's the sentence we give them. 
If you try to build a connection, if you try to build a relationship with another person, before you've done the difficult work of getting whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself and they'll fall flat. Guaranteed. Why? Because nobody was designed to complete you. That's the work you do individually, right? That's the work you have to do on your own. And so that's what we're getting at. Let me say the sentence one more time because I'm sure there's people out there going, wait, I don't know if I got that. <laughs> if you try to build intimacy with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting healthy, of getting whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. That's why this book, Healthy Me, Healthy Us, is really our roadmap to how do you get healthy? How do you get whole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's such a gift. Not only is it a gift to you because that inner journey is so transformative. And like you said, we all know we're not at a healthy place in some area of our life. We've, we've all got things that are a little bit hidden, things we're blind to. And so as we get healthy, the amazing thing is the tide rises for the people we're connected to. We draw them up with us and it's a synergistic gift. So it's a pretty powerful thing to go on this inner journey because it becomes transformative for everyone in your life. Yeah, that's right. And, and we're, we're not discounting tips and techniques and strategies to communicate better or resolve conflict or all the other stuff we want to do in relationships. But if, if you don't get this one right, mm-hmm. this is really the hub of the wheel when it comes to relationship education. If you don't get yourself in a place that's healthy, those tips and techniques, they become weaponized, they become dysfunctional. And so that's why this is so foundational. This is really, Meg, in so many ways, the this is a book that comes out of, you know, two decades of teaching and speaking and researching on this topic. It's not the kind of book that we could have written, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and that's why we say it's, it's really our life's work. It's the hub of the wheel. Healthy me, healthy us. So... Would you say, is it a fair statement to say, if you're, you've been married five years, you're having marital problems, the most yeah, important... At first, I thought you were saying that Leslie and I had been married five years. <laughs> wow. No. <laughs> is it fair to say if, if a couple comes into a counselor's office and said, we're having marital problems, that you would stop them and say, hang on a minute, you each need to go back and do your own work before you can have a healthy marriage? Well, I love that insight and that question. Of course, you want to work with a couple wherever they are. So we would never not work with them in that moment. However, I think what you're getting at is so often I'm a marriage and family therapist. What we think is a systems issue is actually something more in our being than what we're doing with each other. Like we think it's a communication meltdown. And it's not so much about our skills as it is about the core of who we are and there are certain qualities that lend themselves to health in fact this book talks about three core qualities yeah we talk about getting a lock on these qualities and and i just to echo what leslie is saying uh in all you know on a practical level what we'd probably end up doing is seeing that couple together and then also make sure they're having some individual work that's going on Mm -hmm. at the same time it can be concurrent right Mm -hmm. and uh that's why you know, you know, that sentence I give you, um, it sounds like, oh, so I got to get completely healthy before I have relationships. No, no, no. We help each other as iron sharpens iron. We're going to help each other on this pathway. But ultimately, we recognize it's not that person's responsibility to get me healthy and happy. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the work I got to do on my own. And 
Meg, you and I have talked about this before so many times. There's these mirror neurons that God designed us with. And when one person changes the dance step in a marriage or any relationship, the other person has to find their new routine as well. And that's how we help each other as we progress in this whole whole process. And that's never ending, of course. We're always on the pathway to get healthier and whole. I love that you said that because actually, you know, we're all so tuned into what contagiousness is right now. And actually, and, you know, we all know this, emotional health is, is just as contagious as physical health. Mm-hmm. And so when we do this, we actually transmit that to the people yeah, we're with. Absolutely. Yeah. But you asked Meg about, okay, so, so what are the, the steps here? We alluded to these three things. And the, the first one is profound significance. And that sounds kind of abstract, but this is, and, and this is, as we were writing this, we had this little mantra from, um, from Mr. Rogers. Yeah, and we're also, we love Mr. Rogers, especially now. We've had the movie recently and the documentary, mm-hmm. so we're reminded of his beauty. I love his quote, life is deep and simple. Mm-hmm. And so often we try to make it shallow and complicated. Right. And that's what this is really all about. Yeah, so we've tried to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And so we start with what we call your profound significance. Every Anybody that has a lock on their their well-being, a lock on their wholeness and health, understands how profoundly significant they are in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was St. Augustine that said, God God loves you as if you're the only person on the planet mm-hmm. to love. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to kind of, you know, we grow up, if you grew up in the church, you might have sung, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. And as you get older, you sing about God's amazing grace. And you might even memorize scripture, Romans 8. There's no condemnation for us, those of us in Christ Jesus. And, and we, we can kind of get in that headspace. And yeah, I understand that. But to feel that deep down in your bones, that's a different thing. And the people that are grounded in this, that really do experience this. Um, in fact, I always say, if you want to know whether or not you've done this or if you're on your way to having this, you've got to tune into the single most important conversation you've ever had. And you had it yesterday and you're having it today. You're having it right now and you're having it tomorrow. It's your internal dialogue. It's that self-talk that never turns off. And in fact, Meg, if I can mention, we have a free self-talk assessment. People can go to healthy me, healthy us, and just take this little five-minute quiz, and it gives them a nice little indicator of how they're doing. You know, you know what, if, what if before you, you put your head on your pillow tonight, you could pull a little chip out of the back of your head, a little computer chip, slip it into your laptop, and it would tabulate your internal dialogue for the last oh. 24 hours. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's a scary thought, yeah. And it would, yeah. It, would, it would drop it into one of two buckets, either positive self-talk or negative self-talk. If you're like most people, what you would discover, and we know this from research at UCLA, if you're like most people, 73% of your self-talk for the last 24 hours would fall into a negative bucket. We're just prone to do that. And it's because of maybe how we were raised or the messages that we've learned to teach ourselves or, or whatever. But that's the first step in profound significance is, is and you've heard me say this too, Meg, that, that uh, we psychologists love saying this, awareness is curative, right? Mm-hmm. If you become aware of what you're saying to yourself, you can begin to change that internal dialogue. And so that's what this little free assessment does at uh, HealthyMeHealthyUs.com. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Les and Leslie Parrott. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back 
with more of our conversation. As you're talking, I'm thinking about teenagers and college kids that I've seen. And I will tell you, in my experience, it's the rare kid or young adult who feels they have profound significance. I I would say most of them come in with depression or anxiety or issues because at the core of their being, they don't feel they're worth anything. And this is really sad. And then I follow up and I see this negative internal dialogue going. So how do you help somebody interrupt that internal negative dialogue? Yeah, I love your question because, of course, we see that too. And, and of course, developmentally, their young adults are still forming that identity and struggling with who they are. But all of us, I mean, at 50, at 60, we can still be right in that place. Mm-hmm. The thing about um, understanding your profound significance that that it hinges on the foundation, sort of the holy ground of this is to understand that this is a grace gift that's received. It's nothing that has to be achieved. There's nothing we need to do or can do to add to our level of significance in the eyes of God. And so it's kind of a, a reframe about what it is that gives us that gift and that becomes the platform out of which then we can seek to grow but we're not doing it out of a deficit out of that that gaping hole in our heart we're doing it from a place of strength meg you and i in in previous interviews have talked about the developmental task of of identity right for teenagers Mm -hmm. and every parent needs to understand this that's a natural thing it's natural for a student uh, of a certain age you know in those teen years to wonder what do people think about me you know right. how am i doing and, and obsessively they get yeah mm-hmm. right and how's my hair and and <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know what about these shoes are people wearing these shoes and i, I want to make sure i fit in but as we mature we get to a stage where we no longer say how am i doing but we can literally say how are you doing and mean it not just because mm-hmm. it's appropriate but because we're at a place of emotional well, health and well-being to to be able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes to see the world from their perspective, and of course, mm-hmm. that's one of the great hallmarks of of emotional well-being is empathy, the capacity mm-hmm. to see the world from another person's perspective. And every parent that's listening to us right now is going, "Yeah, can you teach my kid how to do that?" Right? <laughs> Sorry, no, yeah. you can't because they're in a developmental stage right. that blinds them from doing that. You have to answer the question, "Who I am I?" to some degree before you have that kind of maturity, before you have that well-being. Now, that doesn't mean a, a student, a young person can't work on these principles. Right. Um, right. We have two teenagers in our home, and uh, trust me, we work on it every day. So it's mm-hmm. not that you give up on it, but you, you have a lot of grace for that developmental period, too. Mm-hmm. What if a, a husband or wife um, is feeling what you said and that, and I see this a lot in divorce, but you can have it in a hard marriage because you're talking about healthy me, healthy us. And that is that they lack an ability to be empathetic with their spouse. In a divorced couple, they're really sometimes it goes out the window. And this is where I intervened, where mom bashes dad or dad bashes mom. It's almost like they regress into this kind of narcissistic focus and um you know have the uh, the inability to see you know have empathy with their ex-spouse and i and i see that just become very toxic to the kids um what would you say to a couple like that 
empathy really is the heart of love. So when you get to a point where there's enough distress that you've sort of emotionally withdrawn from each other and you're feeling sort of the opposite of mutual respect and more contempt, then that mm-hmm. is a toxic place to be. Because those are the, those are really the kind of conflicts that tear at the heart of a relationship. Right, and, and you aren't even aware of it. It becomes a blind right. spot. Yeah. In fact, we have a whole chapter in Healthy Me, Healthy Us dedicated to uncovering your blind spots. Like I said earlier, awareness is a huge part of the cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes the wound, you know, we, we get these wounds that get buried and, and they fester. And that's why so many times in a relationship like you're describing, somebody will say something, the other spouse just loses it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that amygdala hijack in right. their brain just goes into red alert and they cannot seem to calm down. Of course, that is not the time to try to have a rational conversation. That's when you take some yeah. space away until you can regroup and come back. But it's, mm-hmm. it's those moments that show you just how how painful, whatever that is, that's just below the surface that got buried, some issue that got triggered there. And it needs to be excavated. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be healed. And when you can get to a place of that kind of healing, that's when you can begin, you know, healthy me, healthy us. That's when you can begin to work on yourself so that this relationship can repair itself as well. And, and that's why we often say, Meg, you know, we, and we've had people in the very office that we're sitting in right now that have said, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're just coming here because so-and-so said we're supposed to come see you guys. Right. But we've already made, made up our decision. We're out of here. And um, we've seen those relationships turn around because it only takes one person, generally speaking, it only takes one person to change those dance steps to say, I'm going to work on myself in mm-hmm. spite of what's going on here. I will own some of the chaos that's going on in this relationship. I'll own my piece of the pie. I'm going to set my pride aside right now mm-hmm. and focus on what I can do to be a better person in the context of my life, not just this marriage, but in my life. Mm-hmm. And that little step, which is a huge step, of course, um, is, is what transforms everything and turns those kinds of painful relationships around. What would you say to the person who says, okay, we have a troubled marriage, I'm ready to go, I want to change me, and they change and they work on this, but they can't draw their spouse out. Maybe the spouse has been abused, maybe the spouse is shut down because of a lot of shame. You know, sometimes that spouse can't get through to the other one, so what is a spouse like that supposed to do? They've worked on themselves, they feel good. But they find their spouse not coming along. And, and, and they can realize their spouse is very unhealthy. Where do you do then? You know, I love that question because those can be times of true loneliness. Whenever you feel like, okay, I've turned toward you. Mm-hmm. I've worked on me. I'm giving the best of myself to this relationship. But you're not experiencing that flowing back. Yeah. And there absolutely are seasons in life where for whatever reason, someone's too wounded or too distracted and unable to overcome. So, I mean, that that's a reality. What I love about your question is it gets at the second hallmark of what it means to really work on being a healthy person, and that's unswerving authenticity. Because yeah. I think in the context of your life journey, 
that's also as significant as that sense of profound significance. Right. In, in this new book, we talk about these three things, profound significance, and, and we talk about how important self-talk, your internal yeah. dialogue is. But then the second one, as Leslie just mentioned, is unswerving authenticity. This is about being true to you. Right. Your profound significance is all about your relationship with God. The mm -hmm. second one is all about your relationship with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, I can't tell you how many times we've had somebody come into our counseling office suffering from that proverbial disease to please, right? Mm -hmm. And people, when they hear that, they know exactly what I'm talking about because some of us wander around on this planet going, oh man, if I could just win so-and-so's approval, mm -hmm. if I could just, you know, get the blessing from mom and dad. And, and you can be a grown adult and still be trying to please mom uh, because she wanted you to go down this path in your life and you're doing that and you're miserable and whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and so you're, or, or you're, you're, you've chosen this as a career or whatever. We have our, our mutual friend, King Coleman, who's focused on helping people find the career they love. And, and I just hear so many times when I'm on his show, too, talking about how these people have been in a career for 20 years that they've hated, but it was, it was because they were trying to please somebody else. That's yeah. why they went down there. Right. And, and so anyway, unswerving authenticity is about being true to you in spite of what anybody else says, mm -hmm. in spite of what anybody else thinks. It's being true to the pathway God has called you to travel. Mm -hmm. And I love what Paul says in Ephesians about that. He says, get on the path God has called you to travel and walk. And then he says, no, better yet, run. Run on the path God has called you to travel. Mm -hmm. And so in this situation of a painful you know, context of a marriage where you're doing everything you can and it seems like your spouse is just stagnant. That's when you really have to seek the wisdom of, of God's design for you and what's going on and bring in some, some other wise voices into your life to help you navigate that, that season. So true. And I think here's one thing that I have experienced so many times that you can be fully committed to a person and you can say, I'm committed to you and I'm faithful to you, but I'm not committed to this marriage as it is now. Mm. I want us to work on a different dance step together. So you can you can be all in with that person, but you can express that the way we're connected right now is not healthy for me or you, and I want us to be healthy, and I'm not going to let go of that vision. And that's why I want us to go to counseling. Right. Or that's why I want us to meet with right. our pastor, or whatever it might be, but... But yeah, that's a great point. And that clarifies some things often for the other person to where they go, oh, whoa, this is serious. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, okay, I got to get with the program. One of the things I've seen, you know, I'm not a counselor, obviously, but I listen to a whole lot of parents, which means I listen to a whole lot of um, uh, marriages, is that one person will work on themselves, but the other person may have such low self-esteem They'll go, well, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And and you can break that cycle. But, you know, I, I guess it really isn't a spouse's responsibility to get their spouse to feel, to have a higher self-esteem. I mean, is a spouse able to give a better self-esteem to another or is that someone else's well, responsibility? Like, like your question, it goes back to that first point of profound significance. Ultimately, that's the work that we have to do on our own. Mm -hmm. Sure, we help each other as iron sharpens iron. We can help each other do that. And you can certainly improve your spouse's self-esteem by, you know, as we like to say, catching them doing the right thing, catching mm -hmm. them doing good things um, and recognizing that 
and, um, and and treating them with respect and value. Actually, I think your question is so important because it it leads, and we don't have much time to talk about it, but it leads to the final quality, which is yeah. self giving love. Yeah, because it, it this, this all builds. It's it's a progression, right? You you start with profound significance, that sense of of it doesn't matter what I do, it's who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when you recognize that, oh, then what you do really matters, right? Mm-hmm. And you can change that. And that leads to, uh, after profound significance, unswerving authenticity. Mm-hmm. And then where life gets really exciting and fun right. is what we call self-giving love. That's the third thing in this roadmap. And we have two chapters under each of these sections in this book, Healthy Me, Healthy Us, that walk you through how to do that in practical ways. It's not abstract. And, but you get to this final phase of self-giving love and then you begin to read your social barometer you begin to practice that empathy that we talked about Mm -hmm. and that's when you you realize um you know that my perspective is different than hers and i've been projecting myself onto her no wonder this is frustrating for her in our marriage and so things begin to change in the dynamic but that self-giving love that, that's where you begin to love the life you live. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you and I, before we got on the air here, the three of us, we were talking about how just the hassle of travel and getting on airplanes <laughs> and the rest of yeah. it, bad from that. And it's always in, incredibly fascinating to me to watch people get on airplanes and the people that will stand up after they've been seated and unbuckle their, and to help somebody put that yeah. bag in the overhead that needs a little help and, and versus the person that just sits there and is kind of like annoyed that that person is invading their space. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. It's a it's a clear indicator. You're, hey, there's other people on the planet too besides you, right? And so self-giving love. And that self-giving love is so healing. We know when we've received that because what it does is it begins to crack that hard shell of shame and low self-esteem. And it really does invite us into that place of profound significance. And that's when our spouse really might have the courage to start making some changes and come along with us. Right. You begin to love with your head as well as your heart. You analyze as well as sympathize. And that, mm-hmm. of course, those are the two wings of, of empathy. And, right. and that's, of course, what it's all about. So all of that, Meg, you've done, you, you've really walked us through Healthy Me, Healthy Us. I hope yeah. people will go to that <laughs> website, healthymehealthyus.com. Take that little free self-test on, on your internal dialogue because it's a great starting place, and then you can decide whether it's worth to take the full journey or not. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start there because I need to do it, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Walt because one of the things that I find, see, one of the things I find is that I'm constantly looking at him to change. Well, I always joke, you know, the first 10 years of our marriage, I um, looked at what he needed to change, and then the next 10 years, I tried really hard to get him to change it, and then. After that, I just gave it all up and accepted him for who he was. And that's when our relationship really was great. And we've been married 38 years. And we have a great, great, strong relationship. But everything you're saying is so true. And it sounds complicated. It's not that complicated. It's deep. And it's simple. But it takes work. And it takes the courage to look inside and that's maybe what the stumbling block is for a lot of people. Yeah, you've got to grab the steering wheel of your own life, right? You can't think, oh, this person, now that I'm with them, they're going to change everything. They're going to make me whole, and uh, or I'm going to, vice versa, going to make them whole. 
We're, we're all on this individual journey as we help each other. I would just like you to speak uh, just one more comment, and that is there may be somebody out there listening who said, you know what, I'm too wounded. I'm in this relationship. I'm still trying to please my mother or my dad. I have depression, anxiety. There's no way I can get my marriage to work. Talk to that person, if you would, just for a couple minutes. Well, it's just not true. I'm going to start there. I, I got you got to speak truth, right? And that is not true that anyone, I've never met anyone that is not in a place where they can improve. Wherever you are, you just start right there and mm-hmm. take the next step. And as you do this, it's almost a mystical experience mm-hmm. that the way opens before you when you just take the next step. You don't have to chart the whole course, just the next step toward health. Mm-hmm. And it really starts wherever you are. God meets you there as you move forward. Yeah, it's like analogous to running a marathon. You don't just go, hey, I'm going to go out and run mm-hmm. 15 miles today, <laughs> right? right. Um, get ready for the marathon. You yeah. start with the, the, the initial steps of doing that. I always love, um, you, you know, uh, the uh, coach at, at UCLA, John Wooden, the mm-hmm. just you know, he was so famous for so many things and such an incredible man of integrity. But he always started every season in coaching his his new team of basketball players at UCLA by teaching them how to put on their socks. And he'd spend a half hour talking about how to correctly put on your socks yeah. and your shoes because we start with the fundamentals. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what it's like with, with our, our own journey, wherever we are. If we feel like, oh, I have so far to go, mm-hmm. it's just a little step. And... Meg, just like Leslie and I, you've written books and people are like, oh, I can never write a book. But if you do a little bit each day, it's amazing. It how comes together. Yep. And same thing is true when we start working on ourselves. So anybody out there, no matter how far gone they feel they are, can do what you're saying. Yes. When they start picking up the book and they just start one chapter at a time, there's hope for everyone. Right. Yeah. Yep. And yep. this is the kind of book where, you know, there's some books, I have a lot of books in my library that I think, oh yeah, I've read that book. I kind of like, I feel like I got a mental checklist. Yep. Read that book. Got it. Um, but did you, did I really, did I internalize the message? There's some books that you really need to internalize the message. And this is one of those that you yep. put into practice and we're going to give you special ways of doing that each time you read it. It's extraordinary. Healthy me, healthy us. Les and Leslie Parrott, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be with you as always. Let's do this again soon. You bet. Now on to my points to ponder. One, keep a sense of humor alive in your marriage. If there's anything that comes through the parents as they teach married folks, it's their great sense of humor. Listen to their voices. They take their work seriously, but not necessarily themselves. If we fail to see humor in our marriages, we take ourselves so seriously that we're easily offended by our spouse. And this leads to nowhere good. But learning to laugh at ourselves and laugh together brings strength and joy to our marriages. Two, keep on keeping on. I love the song that Dory sings in Finding Nemo. Because it's very apropos for marriages. In the midst of her long journey, she sings, keep on swimming, keep on swimming. You know, when life gets ugly for married folks, they need to keep plugging away. Don't throw your hands up. Don't walk out. Just keep going and wait. Life 
always changes, even if you don't want it to. Sometimes problems can be solved right away, but others take months or years. The only way to get a resolution is to keep your head looking forward, not side to side, and keep getting through your days, one day at a time. Three, plan romance. This sounds like an oxymoron, but it isn't. Married couples are insanely busy, and the first thing that gets ignored is their marriage. Don't do this. Get out your calendar and make a date twice a month or more. Don't have big expectations for the date. Simply plan to be together. You can go for a walk, go out for coffee or to a movie. One more thing for your date. Don't talk about marriage troubles. This is a time to just be together. Simply focus on being together. I want to thank my guest, Les and Leslie Parrott. To find out more about the Parrots, you can go to lesandlesley, all one word, dot com. There you'll find over 500 video answers to questions just about every couple has. You can read their many encouraging devotions as well. All of this can be found at lesandlesleyparrot.com. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search for Les and Leslie Parrot. Let's recap my points to ponder. One, keep a sense of humor alive in your marriage. Two, keep on keeping on. Three, plan romance. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything. And leave us a review so we know how we're doing.